0: A message I call simply crowned with glory and honor. Verse 9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. May God bless the reading of His Word today. It's my prayer. You may be seated. <clears throat> Words of our text this morning in the New Testament are written as an explanation of an ancient song called a psalm in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. Uh, it was written by King David. And if not while he was still a shepherd boy, at least reminding himself of those days, reminiscing about the time when as a shepherd, he would have been out in the Palestinian countryside, looking up into the heavens, amazed at the glory that God revealed there. Now today you have to go into the far country to escape the lights enough to be able to, to see uh, the stars in their glory. But for David in his world uh, every every night sky was a landscape and every clear night sky showed forth uh, the glory of the heavens and all of its beauty. He had no idea when he was looking up into the stars and contemplating—not as the pagans did, the uh, seeing some uh, false god somewhere. Oh no! Oh no! no. Uh, when David saw those stars, he thought about the glory of the one true God. That's who he called out to when he looked at them. He had no way of knowing that uh, 3,000 years later, as he wrote these things down, men would still be setting his words to music. No way he could know that. No way he could know as he looked at the moon that men would one day walk on the moon and leave his very words there as a testimony. But they did. He had no way of knowing that. As we look up at that sky, we see the same stars Polaris is still Polaris, Uh, uh, the Pleiades is still the Pleiades, the Big Dipper is still the Big Dipper, it's all still there. Those constellations have been named and mentioned in historical writings throughout all these years. Jesus and his disciples walked along under the same star, looked at the same sky, And they all saw the glory of the one and only real and true God. Now I mention this, remember, because here in Hebrews chapter 2, that's what's under discussion. He's writing about Psalm 8. I brought it up for you, and I'm going to read it all for you in its entirety this morning. The psalmist David said, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You've made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. It's that passage. You see, that the writer of the book of Hebrews is calling our attention to, and he's giving us then some inspired New Testament commentary on those ancient words of that ancient psalm. You see, the psalmist asked a great question as he pondered the vastness and greatness and glory of the universe. He asked, What is man? What is man? What is humanity? That you, God, are mindful of Him. What is man that thou art mindful of Him? Why are we here? What is the meaning of this life that I'm living? We credit the psalmist because he didn't look to other people to ask that question. He wasn't going to philosophers or men spouting out their own wisdom and giving their own ideas and their own opinions that just seemed to move us further and further and further away from the truth. He went straight to the source. He asked God, God, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Now this morning we're going to be jumping back and forth in a way between Hebrews chapter 2 and Psalm 8. I've read this for you so you could hear it all. Uh, I've read it for you in Hebrews chapter 2 so you could see the expressions that's being made. But hopefully as we go along through it you will see then this morning how God answers, addresses that huge question, What is man? And first of all, in order to answer that question, God reminds us of what was man. What man was. And what man was was crowned with glory. So when the writer of the book of Hebrews brings this this up, he says, One testified in a certain place saying, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You've made him a little lower than the angels, crowned him with glory and honor, and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. You see, to answer that question, what man is... We have to consider what man was. God's design for humanity. I remember watching a woman uh, who was being interviewed after a tornado had come through and swept all of her home away. And she kept saying again and and again, uh, this is my home. Uh, We came here to, to check on our home. I couldn't help but think it's not her home anymore. It was her home what you're looking at now was a splintered, scattered wreck after the storm had done its work. What we see when we look at humanity today is a splintered, scattered wreck after the storm of sin had done its work. We can look around us today and look at our friends, ourselves, look in the mirror, and, you know, we can clean up pretty nice. Amen. No matter how we might make ourselves appear to be, the fact is that at our very best we are still a splintered, scattered wreck of what humanity once was. All around us we see the evidence of the fact that everything has been marred by the stench and the stain of sin. You and I are under the curse. Our physical bodies are under the curse. We live in a physical world that is under the curse. When God said, Cursed is the ground for thy sake, he said to Adam, That's a reality. Ask any farmer and he'll tell you. He'll tell you of floods and droughts and disease and weeds and worms and storms and wind and hail. God said, Cursed is the ground, and it is. It doesn't yield up its fruit if you want the fruit of this earth today, you have to fight for it. You have to sweat for it. It doesn't give it up easily. But we need to remind ourselves as we look at humanity and the world that we live in, it's not the way God made it. It's the way that sin has made it. It's the way the curse has made it. That's very important for us to know. Let's so understand that God's design gave man dignity. It's right here in our passage. But God said in chapter 1 of Genesis, uh, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish, over all the earth, uh, the cattle over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. There he said it again. In the image of God created he them. There he said it again. Male and female created he them. It's so all over Genesis chapter 1, God created us in dignity because we were created in the image of God. But He also not only gave us His dignity, but He gave us dominion. God placed man over everything on the planet, and nothing was left outside of man's dominion. Everything, all of the creatures of the field. And Jesus constantly demonstrated that. When the wind was blowing too hard, what did He say to it? Be still. What did it do? It quit blowing. He commanded the forces of nature as we understand them. Uh, When Jesus needed a fish, (laughs) or when His disciples did, without even speaking a word, Jesus could speak to them, and they did what He told them to do. Last week on Palm Sunday, we celebrated the time when Jesus rode into Jerusalem. What did he ride on? Ride on. He rode on a wild donkey, a colt that had never, the Bible says, been ridden. You try that and see what happens. (laughs) Jesus, you see, demonstrated that dominion that God had created mankind with. Adam had dominion over all the earth, and there was nothing that was not submitted unto him. Humanity was not created, you see, with this horrible depravity and decline that we see everywhere around us. We were created with dignity. We were created with dominion. and in that we were able to praise God. One of my favorite passages of scriptures in Psalm 8, one that Jesus himself quoted. Matthew chapter 21, verse 16. Jesus said to them, Have you never read that Psalm 8? Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise. The psalmist pointed out that this praise, this perfect praise being shouted out, if you will, by babes and even, yes, suckling infants was a constant threat to the enemy because it demonstrated the power of God. From time to time, people will come and apologize to me because their baby cried in the service. Listen, they don't ever have to apologize to me because I know what that baby's saying. According to Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, that baby is saying, praise the Lord. Now at 3 o'clock in the morning, it may not sound much like it, but I can tell you, that baby is saying, praise the Lord. I want you to know God speaks perfect infant. And it's not that hard because they all cry in the same language. You know how to cry a baby cries in Spanish? Wah! You know how he cries in German? Wah! Swahili? Wah! All the same thing. Hear that baby crying in Walmart? Hey, I might not know what his mom and daddy are saying, but I know exactly what that baby is saying. I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm ready to go to bed. Feed me, please. But he's saying something else according to Jesus. You see, every cry of every baby, Jesus said it, I didn't. It's cried out in perfect praise. Why? Because he is doing exactly what his creator designed him to do or her. It's no wonder the enemy tries so hard these days to silence those little voices before they ever cry. Peep. Makes sense. When you think about it, from the time we start thinking clearly, though, we mess it up. It isn't long. That perfect baby, that baby who's singing perfect praise unto God, before long, that little mouth gets smart. Uh, I mean, it'll be a teenager for you know what? Amen. <laughs> we all know about them little smart mouths. Yeah. Things spout out a lot of other things than perfect praise. But the divine design, you see, was one of dignity and one of dominion. And from the moment that we open our mouths into this world as an innocent infant, we're giving testimony and tribute to the fact that God created us with dignity, with dominion, and crowned us with glory. But oh, how the fall has messed it all up. Which brings us to the second part of this passage today In this message, not only that man is crowned with glory, that's how God designed us, but we're also charged with guilt. Verse 8 says, You put all things in subjection under His feet, for in that He put all in subjection under Him, He left nothing that is not put under Him, but now we do not yet see all things put under Him. Now the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us we just don't see that. Man was crowned with glory, created with dignity and dominion, but we don't see it now. Something, obviously, has happened. You see, in giving man dominion, God gave man the ability to think and the ability to make decisions, and humanity has made bad decisions and bad choices We understand why God created us this way. Later in the passage you see the purpose of God is declared, verse 11, for both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them my brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren, in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. You see God designed us, intended for us to have fellowship with Him, to be in relationship with Him. To be able to come to an assembly, a church like this, where He has promised to meet with us. And we can then join our voices together in praise unto Almighty God. That's how He has designed us. To be in fellowship and relationship with Him. That's not possible with a mindless whatever. We got a Roomba for Christmas. Christmas. Anybody else had got a Roomba? Am I saying that right? The little round robot thing that vacuums up your house by itself? I hate to admit it today. I mean, here it is in uh, almost May, and we never had been able to figure out how to get the thing to work. I mean, we just... <laughs> We plugged it in over there, and every now and then, you know, we'd come home, and it was sitting over there in the corner beeping. I don't know how it did that. I don't know. Said, did you turn it on? No, I didn't turn it. I don't know. I know one thing. My little toddler Penelope, my little grandbaby, turned it on yesterday. Yeah, I don't know. She figured it out. I know something else. That thing woke me up at 3 o'clock this morning. <laughs> what in the world is that? My Roomba doing its thing. Not only can I not figure out how to make it go or make it stop, I, I, I hadn't been able to figure out, and I, I'll never be able to figure out. I, I, I just can't have any fellowship with that thing at all. I can talk to it, but it don't listen. It, it just does what it does. It's a robot. No mind. It's following a program. That's all it does. God did not make His people, you and I, did not create humanity... TO BE A MINDLESS PROGRAMMED ROBOT. HE WANTS US TO LOVE HIM AND TO BE IN A LOVING RELATIONSHIP WITH HIM. HE TOLD US THAT OUR NUMBER ONE JOB IS TO LOVE THE LORD OUR GOD WITH ALL OF OUR HEART AND WITH ALL OF OUR STRENGTH AND WITH ALL OF OUR MIND AND TO LOVE ONE ANOTHER AS OURSELVES. I MEAN, THAT'S OUR NUMBER ONE JOB IS TO LOVE HIM. if you're going to have a love relationship with someone who can decide to love you we also have to acknowledge that they may decide they don't love you anymore just the way that works we were created only a little lower than the angels but humanity debases itself to be lower even than the animals I, I read a fable and remember this is a fable I told you it's a fable did you get that fable about a family of skunks, and one night Daddy Skunk came home, and he was staggering around. He was falling around, and he was yelling at everybody. Finally, he just passed flat out. Little baby skunks were all scared, and they said, Mama Skunk, what's wrong with Daddy Skunk? And he said, Mama Skunk said, well, Daddy Skunk went out with his buddies tonight, carousing around, and he's come home, drunk as a man. People do stuff that even a skunk wouldn't do. I think about it all the time as man compares himself to the animals, but if the animals could talk, they'd say, mm-mm. I don't do that. Is it the truth or not? Yes, it's the truth. God created us, designed us to be only a little, just a little lower than the angels, and yet man has debased himself ALL THE WAY DOWN TO WHERE HE'S EVEN LOWER THAN THE ANIMALS SOMETIMES. THE BIBLE PUTS IT SO SIMPLY. ROMANS CHAPTER 5 AND VERSE 12, THROUGH ONE MAN SIN ENTERED THE WORLD, AND DEATH BY SIN. AND THUS DEATH SPREAD TO ALL MEN, BECAUSE ALL HAVE SINNED. WE'RE SINNERS. YOU SEE, BY NATURE THAT'S TRUE. WE'RE ALSO SINNERS BY PREFERENCE AND BY PRACTICE. Because of the presence of sin in the world, the loss of man's dominion is evident everywhere, the presence of disease that we can't cure, the presence of death that we can't stop and sometimes cause ourselves, the presence of depravity that we can't recognize or even identify, and the list just keeps going and going degeneracy, dehumanizations, debauchery, decadence, dissipations, disunity, and I hadn't even got out of the D's yet. It just keeps going. It's always been man's first inclination to blame God. After all, in the garden, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 12, when God said to Adam, What is this thou hast done? This was his answer. The woman whom you gave me, she gave me the tree and I ate. That's not even subtle, Adam. God, this is your fault. Do we still blame God? Do we still tell everybody all the time, well, you know, I can't help it? The enemy loves to hear mankind blaming God. God made me this way. Let me tell you something. God made us with the ability to choose. He did do that. But when we're tempted to sin, we cannot say God is tempting me because the Bible very clearly tells us that God never tempts Anybody with sin. He never does. I don't know what it is that tempts you. You don't know necessarily what it is that tempts me, but we've all got things that tempt us. And when we give in to temptation, God doesn't make us do that. We do that all on our own. Doesn't matter how many times we say we didn't have any choice yes we did we do what is man then man is crowned with glory according to the psalmist in Psalm 8 and quoted in Hebrews chapter 2 but man is charged with guilt And if that was all the story I had for you today, that wouldn't be much of an Easter sermon, but I'm glad to tell you that not only when we answer the question, what is man, we can say he was crowned with glory and charged with guilt, but also this passage tells us that man can be changed by the amazing grace of God. And that's an Easter sermon. Verse 9, but we see Jesus. We don't see man's dominion anymore. But I'll tell you what we do see. We see Jesus. We see Jesus crowned with glory and honor, made a little lower rather than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that He, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. You see, Jesus is the Creator of all things. Yet he too, in the plan and purposes of God, was made a little lower than the angels. That means he took on the form of humanity. Why did he do that? Well, he had to take on humanity so that he, both fully man and fully God, could suffer death and win the victory over it and the grave. You see, Jesus Christ in his humanity suffered for our sins, the Bible says, the just for the unjust. Jesus in His humanity secured our salvation because it pleased God, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. It uh, it was in His flesh, in His humanity then that Jesus can sanctify us as the sons of God. In bringing, He says, many sons into glory. It is in His humanity that Jesus subdued Satan. Verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power over death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject unto bondage. In his humanity, Jesus stands beside sinners. Verse 16. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted." When we think about man and the fall, we think about how man faced the tempter and failed. But the writer of the book of Hebrews reminds us that when we see Jesus, we see the one who didn't fail. <laughs> he faced temptation full head on, though, but he didn't give in. We can't say that Jesus doesn't know what it feels like to be tempted, he does. The difference between the second Adam, that's Jesus, and the first Adam is that while the first Adam gave in, Jesus did not. Because he won the victory then over sin, he was able also to win the victory over death. And the victory that we celebrate today the fact that he is alive forevermore and has the keys of hell and of death. that not only means that He's going to help us uh, when it's time for us to go to heaven, it means that Jesus is helping us right now this morning. He's helping you today. Because in His victory, He is able then to give aid to, to give strength to, to help to all of us when we are tempted. So that He is working now to sanctify us and make us more like Himself. What is man then? How do we answer the question? Man was crowned with glory. Man then is convicted of guilt. But man can be changed by his grace. Everything humanity lost in Adam, we get back in Jesus Christ and then some. But it's only to those who receive him if you wonder about whether or not Jesus really has the power to change your life, think about that empty tomb today. We have the word of the one who lived and died and rose again, conquering death. And if he can defeat that ultimate enemy, then he can defeat whatever sin is tempting us in our life today. That is the victory that we celebrate on Easter Sunday. The sad reality of it is, though, that you can come here and celebrate that Easter Sunday and leave out of here without ever having experienced it for yourself. It's one thing to know about it. And if you've listened today, you know about this victory (laughs) because I've shared it with you right from the Word of God. I didn't make it up. It's right there. We were crowned with glory, convicted of guilt, but we can be changed by grace. But you can go out that building, out of this building today, and not have that real in your life. In John's gospel, he recorded it for us so clearly, so long ago. He said he came into his own, and his own received him not, but... To as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on His name. I ask you this morning, has there been a time when you received Christ as your Savior? People laugh at folks like me who ask that question anymore. Let them laugh. I'll keep asking it. Has there been a time when you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Can you go back to a time in your mind and heart... When you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that He died for you, you trusted Him, and you felt the joy of sins forgiven, there'll never be a better moment than this one for that to happen in your life. Let's stand together, please.